Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast where 16-year-olds cancel ski trips to Lake Tahoe to attend lavish costume parties at multi-million dollar estates. Book number 29, Bitter Rivals. Will Elizabeth be forced to choose between Amy and Enid? Will she be? I don't know. Hi. Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries. I'm your host, Marissa Flaxbart. And with me again today is the lovely and talented Denise Boylan. Hi. Hi. Uh, so if listeners listened to uh, an episode from a couple weeks ago, they will know that we had some sort of freak <laughs> recording incident um, that I chose to blame on a ghost, but mm-hmm. mostly for convenience sake. I still have no idea what that was about. Um, and we are foolishly, perhaps, in the exact same spot yeah. <laughs> as we were before <laughs> recording this again. Um, and hopefully it works. We'll find out, I guess. We're <laughs> we going to record this like eight times. Maybe we can try to recap the book really quick. So like if there's something starts going wrong at like 12 minutes in, we'll already we'll be, be done. Because yeah. mostly what I want is for listeners to be able to follow the arc of the Sweet Valley narrative mm-hmm. From, mm-hmm. from book to book. You know, it's just so important. So important. And also, <laughs> such a wild ride. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I mean, I treat these books as so serialized, but it's only slightly. Yeah. Like for the most part, they stand alone or else the whole podcast wouldn't work. I couldn't have people just read the one right but this book bitter rivals did like most of them it got teased in the previous book oh so at the end of book 28 what happened was elizabeth like runs out onto this group of kids are on the beach and she's like oh my god i just found out that amy sutton is the person that bought helen bradley's house and uh, I'm so excited because she was my best friend in sixth grade and uh, everybody is like, oh, cool. All right. That's nice. Like nobody, <laughs> it's like all the cheerleaders are on the oh, beach. They don't really care. Sweet Valley's full of dicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Enid is like secretly in her head is like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Because <gasps> she's oh, no, afraid. Enid. Yeah. You know, she's newer on the scene. She's Elizabeth's best friend now, but mm-hmm. can she compete with somebody who was Elizabeth's best friend in sixth grade? Turns you know? out she can Turns out she can, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, you, we did it. We no? did it. We <laughs> okay. just, and that's Thanks, it. everybody. Thank you for coming. <laughs> we appreciate your time. Okay. But for serious, though, <laughs> um, let's talk about the cover of the book. Um, so when I was first reading this, I was a little sleepy, but I was like, why... This doesn't make any sense because Elizabeth and Jessica don't look anything alike on this cover. And I kept trying to figure it out. Yeah. And then I eventually figured out that it was Amy that I was looking at, not Jessica. Right. So it's like Amy looks enough like the Wakefields that yeah. it seems kind and of like Jessica. she's wearing like a very Jessica pink top and like yeah, whatever. And then I kind of put it together. But I was like, they look very different i guess well i guess that's a pretty appropriate move on yeah. james matthews uh part the Good artist job, james because uh when amy sutton comes to town mm-hmm. she is not the tomboy that she was in sixth grade right she cares a lot about what mostly like boys that's like literally the only thing yeah she and a little bit about fashion which <laughs> yeah. we'll get into a bit <laughs> Um, So she's standing behind Elizabeth, who is wearing a blue polo top. Elizabeth, always so So conservatively dressed. She looks like a youth (laughs) pastor, like, all the time. I'm just realizing. Um, And she, uh, but she's got stripes, at least, on her shirt this time. Yeah, it's pretty flashy. And then 
Amy and Enid are on either side of Elizabeth every, with their arms folded, like mm-hmm. almost like back to back, like they're going to fight. Well, and now that I'm looking closely at it, Elizabeth and Enid are like in matching outfits. Sorry, I'm just laughing because you just like pinch zoomed <laughs> on, on this analog on printed book. <laughs> and I saw it happen and I was like, yep, yep. yep. Oh, wait, anyway, that doesn't work. You have to pick it up and move it closer to your <laughs> That's face. That's crazy. Um, but they're wearing very similar outfits. They have like belted khaki pants or shorts that are that Enid a, and Elizabeth. like a polo. Yeah, Enid and Elizabeth. That a polo ish type button down shirt yeah. is tucked into. Enid is giving me like Nancy Drew vibes. Enid's working this cover she's, real she's hard. Got curly red hair. Yeah, she's like kind of fun. And Amy's is wearing a pink dress that looks like she's about to go to the junior high dance. That's exactly what it looks like. I mean, she's in high school, but junior high dance was the phrase that came to mind. Yeah. Like, I think I bought this dress at Goodwill to go to, like, my camp dance. Yeah. As a joke. Yeah, because it's got shoulder pads. It's got, like, a very low waist. And, like, uh, a boat neck. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the sash that's very low waist is, like, stitched onto the dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Listeners, you can probably picture it. You're picturing it. Um, and, you know, Amy, Amy. They're, they're trying to, to do the pinch <laughs> zoom on there. Yeah. On the- uh, I was trying to say Amy and Enid at the same time, and it came out Enid, which is, just sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's no one's name. That's where we're going with this. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I was going to say that Amy was like a very beautiful young woman, but I mean, they're all beautiful. Yeah. No one in Sweet Valley is ugly is what I've come to learn. Uh, definitely not anyone that makes the cover of one of these books. <laughs> Um, so at the beginning of the book, we find Elizabeth and Jessica just like chilling at the house. Is that correct? Am I, I making so, that up? At the pool? Now, now gladiators, uh, as you already know, Denise and I read this book weeks ago. So <laughs> we're trying to refresh our memories. We, we're trying to remember if it was Mammoth or Lake Tahoe. We're about they... to make up an entirely different book <laughs> and just see if anyone notices. Chapter one. Elizabeth, you're not even listening to me, Jessica Wakefield complained. Ugh. So um, right off the bat, Elizabeth is so psyched. I'm going to just start reading quotes because I've got that. That Maybe that'll jog our memories. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth is also clueless to Enid's, uh, Enid's concerns mm-hmm. about maybe not being able to keep up with, with Amy Yeah. Um, in Elizabeth's heart or whatever. <laughs> she says, I can't believe it, Enid. I can't wait for you to meet each other. Enid smiled, looking down at the water. I just hope we like each other, she said. I mean, Enid Rollins, Elizabeth exclaimed with mock horror, jumping up and running over to hug her friend. Of course you'll like each other. Amy Sutton is fabulous. She's so vivacious, so bouncy, so much fun. You make her sound like a trampoline, Jessica (laughs) cut in. (laughs) She's not wrong. It's a good joke, too. It is a good joke. Um, Funny is funny. Funny is funny, and Jessica can be funny sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so Elizabeth is super psyched for them to meet. Mm-hmm. Amy is going to be coming to town like Sunday-ish. They find out, well, Elizabeth and Enid have this trip planned to right. go visit Enid's aunt who has a cabin in Lake Tahoe. Yeah, and she's like under 30. Yeah, this aunt sounds cool as hell. It's fine. <laughs> but wouldn't it be weird? Like thinking about like if you had, if you or I yeah. had, a, had a teenage, like 16-year-old niece. Yeah. And... She and her friend, like, we're going to come to Lake Tahoe. I don't know. I think that would be medium excitement level for me. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Like, okay, this will be fun. Cool. <laughs> My niece and her friend who wears the same outfit as her is yeah. going to show up. 
<laughs> I wonder what I wonder what a woman in her in her like mid to late twenties would think of Elizabeth and Enid. Actually, they're so they're very studious. And I think smart. we would need to know more about the twenty eight year old in order to. You yeah, know what I mean. I wish we did know more about her. We don't actually know that much about her, except yeah. that she's fucking really patient and clearly rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I say patient because what happens is that mm-hmm. when Elizabeth finds out that Amy's moving in this weekend. Um, by the way, Amy is coming to town because her mom, right, Dylan Sutton, is cool as hell yes. and works for ESPN, clearly, yeah. even though they don't state yeah. it. Did ESPN exist in 1986? Actually, that's a good question. I think it did. Hey, Maybe. Siri. Hey, Siri. Oh, she's not listening to me. Oh, Maybe it. my phone, Siri. Hey, Siri. Oh, now they're both listening. Fuck. I've screwed it up because <laughs> I said something. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> that was not helpful, Siri. Hey Siri, when did ESPN start? ESPN was formed in 1979. Oh, all right. She totally worked for ESPN because they're in Connecticut. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so because they were on the East Coast. All right, so Dylan Sutton is Uh a super cool newscaster. Anyway, they're moving to town this weekend, and Elizabeth is like, "Oh, Ina, do you think maybe we could postpone the trip to another weekend? Um, Maybe." Amy can come with us. Yeah. So two blows at once. But Enid is Enid is trying sort of to like have a good attitude. But also, I don't think I thought of this last time, but it's kind of ballsy for Elizabeth to be like, "Oh, my friend who you don't know can come to your aunt's cabin with us." Yeah. You know, it makes me a little sick to my stomach. Yeah. You have a friend. Friend dynamics aren't like that. You can't just introduce a new friend to someone in that situation. Right. Like, you go out and do something together. You yeah. Don't be like, you know this weekend trip that you were looking forward to that you planned that we were going to take together? Right. I'm going to bring a stranger, but I'm really close with her on that trip. Yeah. But also, I haven't seen her in a few years. So, like, maybe <laughs> we're still friends? I don't know. Right. right. <laughs> That's pretty much the book in a nutshell. So, there we yeah. go again. So. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they, and Enid agrees. Like, okay, we can postpone the trip. Sure. And, like, the first thing that happens is Elizabeth, on a Saturday, is going to go meet Enid at the beach. She Mm -hmm. gets a call from Amy saying that they came a day early. She stops by Amy's house and, like, forgets all about Enid until until it's, like, too late in the day. And then she goes home and calls Enid to see if she's home, but Enid isn't home. So it's just, like... Mm-hmm. No cell phones. How no do they do it? No cell phones. They can't text. Yeah. Although I guess it points out how cell phones make it so much easier to like cancel plans with someone. Right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I mean, Elizabeth managed to cancel plans without with just being a bitch about it. Yeah. You know? um, I said without. I meant I just didn't finish my thought. Like She was a bitch. Without texting, with being a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, do you remember when Elizabeth gets to Amy's house? How weird the dad is oh yeah he's like so fucking creepy what does he say he's like you grew up nicely or something yeah weird let's see if i can like find that. it actually um so i can read actually a little bit about the scene we just talked about she was about to step outside when the telephone rang liz an excited feminine voice exclaimed it's me amy elizabeth listened for the familiar buzz of long distance to her surprise it sounded as though amy were calling from nearby <gasps> But where are you? She asked, feeling confused. This was Saturday. The Suttons weren't supposed to move in until the following day. Crazy. Right here in Sweet Valley, Amy sang out. At the Bradley's house. Or should I say, our house now. Mm. So. Oh, I have the theory that 
Amy killed, what is her name? Helen? Helen. I think she killed <laughs> Helen in order to take over her life. It's my house now. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, wasn't Helen also a cheerleader? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll Helen flush this theory out as we go. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's correct, though. So um, I mostly highlighted that I'm realizing now because it, I think it's hilarious that uh, just as a history lesson yeah. that Elizabeth could hear that it wasn't a long distance call. Right. I don't remember that. I don't either. I think we I think by the time we were making any kind of long distance call, it was good enough that it sounded regular. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I say as though I had friends that I could call long distance. <laughs> <laughs> we I actually grew up. Uh, several time zones or I guess just one time zone but a thousand miles away from most of my family like my parents and I were the ones that didn't live in New Mexico with everybody else yeah so we had long distance calls a lot and I don't remember it sounding different yeah I was a kid too uh so speaking of everybody being beautiful I'm looking at this scene now and when Elizabeth shows up she takes a look at Amy and it says good lord Amy (laughs) Ew. You never told me you got so beautiful. Gross. Put it in your pants, Elizabeth. <laughs> and then, uh, so she used to be like a tomboy with braces and stuff, like like you are in sixth grade. Is right. anybody beautiful in sixth grade? I don't. I don't no. want to. I don't want to talk about that. Being popular in sixth grade is a sham. Yeah. So then, Mister Sutton comes in and he says, his blue eyes twinkled. I hate to say it, but boy, have you grown up since I last saw you, he told her. I mean, I know I read it in kind of a salacious way, but I hate that. It's the fact. This is what we were saying last time. I remember not that gladiators need to know that. (laughs) We could pretend like we're having only original thoughts this week, but it's more gross because he says, I hate to say it. I hate to say it. Then don't fucking say it, dude. If he just said, boy, have you grown up? It would be like normal, (laughs) but I hate to say it, but you got boobs now. I hate to say it, but you look fucking smoking. (laughs) There's two of you? Where's your sister? (laughs) I like to imagine the version of the series where a dad would say, I hate to say it, but you've got boobs now. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely happened. Sweet Valley feels like it's full of a bunch of pricks. I'm sure someone has said that. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a Rick line to me. Also, what's her mom's name? Dylan? Dylan, yeah. What is Dylan doing with this creep? (laughs) He's got twinkling blue eyes, though. So uh, it's been posited before that eye color is um, a hierarchy in Sweet Valley, and blue is is toward the top. So. Can I bring up the Holocaust? It was a hierarchy in Germany, that's for sure. No, but too dark. You, too no, soon? I mean, I think it's probably not too soon. <laughs> not probably worth bringing up since I did mention it. But I think that we have a, a special Sweet Valley um, twist on it, mm-hmm. where it's aquamarine oh, <laughs> at yeah. the height, and then gray. So yeah. it's not just blue, but like shades of different blue. shades. So just twinkling blue eyes is not as good as gray it's or aquamarine. All of the shades of blonde hair are different shades, and then their tans are all different tans. And so at first glance, you might think, wow, everyone in Sweet Valley looks alike. But then you really look and you're like, whoa, no, they have aquamarine eyes, and they have gray eyes, and they have bleach blonde hair, and they just have regular blonde hair. Or honey blonde. Or honey blonde. Or strawberry blonde, even. Yes, there's so many options. Yeah. Diversity is just <laughs> off the charts in Sweet Valley. Oh my goodness. Uh, <sighs> okay. I never thought about that with the blue eyes thing, though. That's dark now. Maybe I should stop talking about it. 
<laughs> You're welcome. Because even, I think green was up there too, but green is also blue. Like green eyes is, is a part of, mm-hmm. a subset of blue eyes. It's a step down, but it, yeah. I have to, well, I don't know, is it? I, I feel know. like it's so rare, but you know what? It, where it's not rare? In Sweet Valley. So many people have so green eyes. And now I'm on the lookout for it. And I'm st- I've started to notice how frequent green eyes are. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking like, how often do you meet someone with green eyes in real life? My mom has green eyes. That's great. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that they don't exist. Great. What color are your eyes? They're just blue, right? Yep. Just, but are they gray? Uh, maybe a little, but I think they're more of a light blue. Yeah, yeah. I think mine are kind of gray. Yeah, I could see gray. But like dark gray, not like sexy Nicholas Mario light gray or like not Amy Sutton gray. <laughs> <laughs> no one has Amy Sutton gray eyes. <laughs> so beautiful. Uh, where were we talking about this I book? Don't know. <laughs> what are we? What? What? What's are happening? we talking about a book? Yeah. So, so she shows up to see Amy, and Amy is like, boy, yes. crazy. Like it is boy central over there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in fact, this Amy's whole Amy's heart and vagina is open for business. <laughs> <laughs> this whole area of the podcast can be the part of the podcast where we're talking about boys because yeah, there when is it's Amy, no way to not discuss yeah. boys. Who's the guy like? Johnny? J- Johnny. She's obsessed with Johnny. He has a picture of him and she talks about him from like the moment she first meets Elizabeth to like every time they talk. She's like, Liz, it's so good to see you, Johnny. Yeah. And then what happens is Amy goes home with Elizabeth mm-hmm. and spends the night at the Wakefield's house. And But Elizabeth at the end of this night is kind of like, huh, boy, Amy and Jessica sure seem to have a lot to talk about. Because they're just talking about boys, like, constantly. They're talking about what boys they're trying to date. Keeping in mind that Amy doesn't know any of the boys that Jessica's talking about, and Jessica doesn't know any of the boys that Amy's talking about. Thank right. You. Um, Denise had to take her banjo off the wall. <laughs> it was vibrating. It was making a faint and beautiful vibrating noise. <laughs> um, possibly ghost-related, but I think probably more vocal vibration-related. vibration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It'd be fun to pretend, but I think it was just sound waves. I think so. When, one of the first, the scenes in this book that like most sticks in my memory is the next morning after, after they all wake up, Elizabeth finally gets a hold of Enid, who's pissed, but willing to forgive Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. It's and like a first time offense. Yeah. She'll let it slide. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Of course, I'm sure deep down Enid is like, this is exactly what I knew what would happen. Oh, Amy. Um, also, Amy Sutton is like the best cool girl name ever. I think it's pretty darn good. It's pretty good. Uh, Elizabeth tries to make it up to Enid by also killing two birds with one stone. She's gonna have a nice breakfast with Enid and also have Amy and Enid finally meet, which she's so excited about. So they're walking to the breakfast place, and I just thought this was funny. Elizabeth and Amy were on their way to the restaurant to meet Enid. Elizabeth couldn't believe her eyes when she saw the outfit Amy had packed in her overnight case. She looked so glamorous in a black jumpsuit and boots, which even Jessica had to admit were ahead of fashion. We're only going to the pancake house, Elizabeth had warned Amy, feeling ordinary in a cotton sweater and a pair of corduroy jeans. Amy had looked dismissively at her reflection. You can never tell, she told Elizabeth conspiratorially. We might meet a handsome stranger on the way. Her gray eyes widened. We might even meet a movie star. 
Elizabeth laughed. More likely we'll just meet a waiter, she said dryly. Good for Elizabeth. Yeah, so Amy is dressed in a black jumpsuit and boots to go to the pancake house. And then they get there and uh, she orders like... Like a grapefruit? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not real food. (laughs) So not making a great first impression on Enid, who's like pouring syrup and butter onto her pancakes. God bless. (laughs) And they both eat pancakes. It's like good for them. But they're like, what is wrong with this girl? (laughs) Um, And Also hilarious that someone from Connecticut is like fashion forward now. (laughs) <laughs> because Connecticut is rich and like nice, but they're definitely going to be wearing their East Coast best, which is not fashion forward. And probably looks more like what Elizabeth and Enid yeah, are wearing, exactly. only like a sweater around yeah. their neck or something in the 1986. Come on. Come on. Uh, so um, not just one polo, but like two polos. Right. With the collar pop. <laughs> yeah. Of course, we're talking about men now, but maybe the ladies too. A sweater set. We've seen some dark times with popped collars. <laughs> Anything could happen. It's very true. Um, so Enid is already kind of like, I'm not so sure about this girl. But they invite Amy to the trip. She says, yes, I definitely want to come. Mm-hmm. But over the next few days and weeks at school, Elizabeth has several run-ins with Amy where yeah. she's like calling out her name to try to get her attention. And Amy like doesn't hear Elizabeth. And or they're supposed to meet up for lunch Uh, a couple of times and Amy misses it and Elizabeth thinks that that's bad which she's right Mm -hmm. but there's this thing where it's like Elizabeth can't stay mad at Amy because every time she brings one of these things up to Amy Amy's like I'm so sorry oh my god I would hate for you to think that I didn't care about our friendship ugh red flag (laughs) yeah this girl get out of there so meanwhile, there's a, a couple of other things happening in Sweet Valley. And one of the biggest is that Lila Fowler's cousin Christopher is in town. Oh, Christopher. Tell me more. I will tell you more. Someone says to Lila, who's Christopher? Lila's look was devastating. Christopher, she said pompously, is quite simply the world's most fabulous man. She said as her small boner started arriving. <laughs> For her cousin. <laughs> Lila's cousin, Jessica, put in. Lila smiled. He's from a really interesting branch of the family tree, Winston laughed. As opposed to the fowler trunk, that is, he said teasingly. Good one, Winston. (laughs) Lila ignored him. And, she went on, he's six foot two with really wavy, thick blonde hair and the most amazing blue eyes. They just sort of pierce right through you. Enid giggled. When is this gorgeous man coming? Sounds like I should enter that day on my calendar. Oh. Lila prodded her chicken salad with her fork. He said he's coming this weekend. Christopher doesn't really like being confined to one particular day, you see. Where did you say he was from? Elizabeth asked curiously. Kennebunkport, Maine. He's a terrific yachtsman, and he's a great dancer, too. Sorry, that's all. I just... It, Lila is so in love yachtsman. with Christopher. Yeah, from Kennebunkport, like the bushes. Yeah. Right? Maybe. I don't know. I'm saying yeah. I don't know. Hey, Siri. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm pretty sure that's true. That there they have a house there or something. Like, cool that you love your cousin, but let's tone it down. Yeah. Cool that you love him, but maybe less cool that you want to fuck him. That you definitely (laughs) want to fuck him and have his babies. There's something about the thick curly blonde hair the way she describes it of course i am inflecting on lila but 
anyway. the text does that itself. So everybody is like very interested in this mysterious Christopher. Um, so that's one thing that's happening. And Lila is having this big party mm. to like welcome Christopher and you know, introduce him to everybody because she's very proud to have him, uh, to have him there. So the big party at Lila's house is going to be amazing. And Elizabeth finds out that it's going to be the same weekend that they're supposed to go to Lake Tahoe. Mm -hmm. And Elizabeth and Enid are like, whatever, whatever, no biggie, because Lila has a party every week. Amazing. It's pretty much what they say. Like, it's no big deal. Yeah, (laughs) it does. But yeah, they're kind of just like, whatever. Yeah, no big deal. Amy, however, is not having it. No. Amy is like... Amy needs to meet Christopher, who, I don't know if we're there yet, but at one point is like, Elizabeth, I'm in love. Yeah. And she's like, who? Who is this guy? And she's like, Christopher, but I haven't met him yet. And I'm like, girl, let's fucking tone it down. I, You haven't met him and you're already publicly declaring that you're in love with him? Yeah. I say as if I don't do that constantly to people. <laughs> Sarah Paulson, if you're listening, I'm here for you. <laughs> but she means it She means it literally, though. But she's actually serious. Yeah, she's like, there's yeah. a boy that I'm in love with now. Like, I'm forgotten all about Johnny. I'm also, in love with a new Johnny. boy now. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, everybody knows what dates everything is happening on, mm-hmm. but... Amy is bad with the schedule, apparently. She isn't... We know this. She can't keep a a lunch date with Elizabeth to save her life. See, if they had cell phones, not only could they text. Cell phones would solve every problem in this this book. Because not only could they all text each other to, like, you know, be like, oh, shit, this isn't going to work out. But they could also send each other calendar invites and they would be like oh i see this isn't gonna work with what i already have set in my google cal right i'm i uh, have this marked as busy so (laughs) busy that day (laughs) so i say as though anyone here except for elizabeth and enid actually use their calendars right right i mean they probably have like planners elizabeth Um, and jess not jessica was vera bradley a thing because elizabeth and jessica probably have vera bradley planners. elizabeth and enid and Enid. And yeah. Jessica is Jessica just has like, one and doesn't use it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. So Amy has repeatedly been kind of breaking promises to Elizabeth. And when she finds out that this is these two things are happening on the same day, mm-hmm. she's very much like leaning on the idea that she's new in town. And it's really important. We haven't talked about that yet. How much they keep saying it's so important for Amy to get to know people. Oh, at yeah. This point. She has to like settle in and like yeah. make new friends and yeah. meet people as though she didn't live there three yeah. years ago. Oh, and we didn't even talk about how Amy auditions for cheerleaders. Oh, yeah. And Elizabeth is also like, oh, you want to be a cheerleader? But I thought it was so strange how surprised Elizabeth was because she already knew that Amy was a cheerleader back home mm-hmm. at her, her previous high and school. And she was like always super athletic. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like just another way that um, that Amy is kind of like Jessica. Yeah. And Elizabeth is a little bit like, oh, this my friend is different from when she was in sixth grade. Yeah. But, oh, well, you know, she doesn't, it, it hasn't like clicked for Elizabeth yet that maybe they're not meant to be like besties anymore. I don't know. Right. But... Uh, well, the biggest blow uh, comes, I mean, to this point, comes when Elizabeth and Amy, like, when Amy realizes that there's this conflict, and Elizabeth tries to tell her, like, oh, no, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ar- around that time is when Amy confesses her undying love for Christopher. Yeah. She who she's never met. She's in love. And Elizabeth, she basically says, let's just go to Lake Tahoe another time. 
Mm-hmm. Well, Elizabeth has already canceled the trip once and has rescheduled. She's like, this is Enid's 28-year-old aunt who's rich enough to have a house in Tahoe. We have to, like, stick to our schedule. Yeah. So she doesn't know what to do, and she's so upset. She goes home and talks to Jessica about it. And mm-hmm. Jessica, in this book, she has had a, a streak of a few books now where she's actually been, like, kind of, like, normal or, oh. like, like clever. And in this book, it's just she all... back on her bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> To say the least. <laughs> that is very well put because she is meddling in the lives of just about anyone that she can come into contact with. Yeah, pretty much. So I'll I'll read this quote uh, from the book and then we can talk about the other major way that Jessica is meddling mm. uh, m- much more broadly and directly in this book. Okay, so this is from chapter seven. Mm. So Elizabeth has just told... Uh, Jessica, what, what she's upset about, this this conflict, uh, scheduling conflict. Mm-hmm. Liz, that doesn't sound like much of a conflict to me. What do you mean? Look, Jessica said earnestly, Amy is absolutely right. So she agreed to go skiing with you and Enid before she'd even been back here a day or two. She needs to get her feet on the ground. You're not being fair. Can you blame her for wanting to go to the party? I guess not, Elizabeth admitted. It's not as if Amy were trying to get out of the ski trip altogether, Jessica pointed out. Which, she added, would be a perfectly reasonable thing to do, if you ask me. <laughs> uh, which she, is just what she sh- everybody should do, by the way. Like, everybody should just be like, no, no Amy, well, we're going to go without you. <laughs> Elizabeth frowned. I'm serious, Liz. She's obviously eager to go with you guys, but naturally she wants to go to Lila's party. It's going to be a terrific bash, you know. It wouldn't hurt you and Enid to show up either. I guess I can understand about the party, Elizabeth said slowly. Amy could have just told us to go ahead without her. She obviously does still want to come. Jessica nodded her head, her aqua eyes flashing. And I think that's incredibly generous of her, considering how cruel Enid's being. (gasps) Jessica! Elizabeth stared at her. What are you talking about? Enid hasn't been cruel to Amy. Ha! Jessica exploded. I think she has. You're just too prejudiced. You can't even see what's going on right in front of you. Enid's jealous of Amy, and she's refusing to give her a chance. If you ask me, she's being a complete and total pain. And Amy's been so sweet and good-natured about it. Like, what? (laughs) Yeah, this is the Jessica who also, I think at some point, refers to Enid as, like, dull and dependable. Dull and dependable. Like, oh, Ina, it's so dull and dependable. Gross. This chapter ends with Jessica thinking to herself, she has Amy now. She doesn't need Enid Rollins anymore. <laughs> oh, and she also says, personally, she didn't think it would be the end of the world for Elizabeth to ask Enid to get lost once and for all. That Enid Rollins was a total zero in the personality department. <laughs> And she says something like, why would you risk... Oh, she wasn't going to sit by and watch her very own twin do something as stupid as risk angering the glamorous and exciting Amy Sutton for someone as dull and dependable as Enid. Wow. Risk angering. Risk angering. Let her go. Let her be free. No one needs her. Amy's causing trouble. (laughs) So, but Jessica... But speaking of causing trouble... She's got other schemes up her sleeves. Jessica's a busy lady. It must be exhausting to be a Jessica Wakefield. I know, I know. Well, I mean, she does spend a lot of time, like, by the pool in a lounge chair working on her that's tan. True. So that's, like, her, <laughs> her self-care. <laughs> it's how she recharges. Yeah. She's solar-powered. Yeah. Um, 
So she and Kara Walker have now entered the fray at the Oracle, the student newspaper. And they are writing a column. Do you remember what it's called? Uh, Miss Lovelorn. Miss Lovelorn. Cute. Cute name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it sort of suggests that the advice giver is unlucky in love, but it's, it's, it's got a ring to it. And basically the idea is that it's like a romance advice column for the high schoolers of yeah. Sweet Valley High. And they get a lot of letters because there's a lot of romance troubles at Sweet Valley High. Lots of romance troubles. And their first one is pretty good. Like, their first couple of answers are like, you know, they're not afraid to speak the truth, but, you know, I don't know. It's like solid advice. Yeah. Yeah. But then Jessica has um, a crush. It's kind of, uh, it's very reminiscent of Amy's love for Christopher. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, I know. What's his name? Jay. His name is Jay McGuire. McGuire. She's like, he is the one. So would you like to hear about Jay McGuire? Please. It had been a long time since Jessica had fallen in love like this. Painfully, breathtakingly, heartbreakingly in love. Every time she saw him, her stomach did flip-flops. She had even started arranging to run into him between classes. French, the one class they had together, was delicious torture. (laughs) She spent the whole hour staring at him, and by some sort of incredible fluke, she had managed to get him for her dialogue partner. He was gorgeous, about six feet tall with sandy hair. Sandy, that's another kind of blonde. Mm -hmm. And the most fabulous green eyes with (gasps) gold highlights in them. Oh my god. Jessica had always thought he was cute, but when their gazes locked after class one day, Jessica knew that true love between them was destined. Jay McGuire. Jay. <laughs> that last Jay McGuire was in italics in the book. Jay McGuire. Only problem is, Jay McGuire has a girlfriend, a senior named Denise. Denise. I almost said Helen Bradley, but that's not her name at all. <laughs> Denise, <laughs> Denise Hadley. Dead, it rhymes with Bradley. Denise Hadley. Helen's dead, killed by Amy. Yeah. Jessica is like, I can't believe that um, he's dating this woman. She's old enough to be like his, and Kara has. Yeah, Kara has this joke where she like finishes a sentence and is like, girlfriend yeah (laughs) she's old enough to be his girlfriend she's probably like four months older than him yeah right (laughs) and uh, the book doesn't go into all that but you know jessica's like she's gonna be at college next year and like then where is he gonna be yeah they've been dating for two months but they're like also kind of in love yeah as we find out because jessica makes a fake letter oh jessica two letters in fact right Mm -hmm. yes one from a woman dating a younger man and she's like bored of him and she's wants to be free and one day from <laughs> from <laughs> set me free <laughs> and then one from a junior who's got this senior girlfriend who he's like i don't know embarrassed that she doesn't talk to he's his like, friends she or uses something a walker to get around <laughs> and i don't even know what to do i have to like use a handicap sticker she's so old yeah and basically, Miss Lovelorn tells both of, both of these fictional letter writers to, like, dump their significant other and move on with someone who's closer, who's, like, into the same things they are and in the same grade as they are. In the same French class as they are. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did we mention that Jessica definitely wrote those letters? Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. And we, she definitely did. Yeah. yeah. And then um, Jay and Helen, like, essentially break up or, like, have I'll go on a Jane break Denise. or something. Helen's dead. (laughs) Jay and Denise. So weird. Helen is buried in the backyard somewhere. (laughs) Probably of the current 
Sutton house. Yeah. Helen is dismembered. But Denise is very much alive. Denise is alive. Honestly, listen, I might, some might say that I'm biased, but just based off the tidbits that we get from the book, Denise sounds so cool. I love her. We don't know much about her. Except she has brown eyes, not blue eyes. She does date a junior, though. But our initials are the same. No, Helen Bradley. Denise. (laughs) Damn it! No, I'm doing it. Denise Hadley. Denise Hadley. Our initials are not the same. I hope I'm right that her last name was Hadley. I'm going to have to look it up. Let's find out. Denise. Boylan. Denise Hadley. Oh, okay. Not the same initials, but same hair, same first name. Jay and Denise had been going out for a couple of months. Wow. She was a senior, a striking redhead with almond-shaped brown eyes and a knockout figure. Wow. The rest of it's correct. Yeah. (laughs) Other than the brown eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Jay and Denise kind of break up and Jessica just swoops in and... Not casually. No. She's like, let's just hang out. We'll just... I don't know you very well. But then she like takes him to the makeout spot. (laughs) She takes him to makeout point, which is actually called Miller's Point. Cute. And Jay initially doesn't want to go with her, but she's just like, we haven't gotten a chance to get to know each other. And when they get up there... He says, The lights of the valley spread out before them. What a beautiful evening, Jessica exclaimed, sliding across the seat and snuggling up to Jay. She lowered her eyes, afraid to look up at him. I'm so happy to be up here with you, she said softly, putting her hand on his knee. Jay jerked away, an expression of pain crossing his face. Just don't, he said abruptly. I knew it, he added a minute later. A minute later? Wow. Wow. I should never have come up here with you. Which I thought was a nice little bit of turnabout, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica finally getting called out. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Way to say no when you're uncomfortable, Jay. Mm-hmm. That's good. Good job, Jay. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Time's up. <laughs> <laughs> Time's up, Jessica Wakefield of the world. It's funny that we should be saying that because I have used that um, directed toward a young man who has, like basically assaulted Jessica in an earlier book, so... <laughs> This I I don't want I do not want to say turnabout is fair play because it is not that is bad yeah but that is what's happening here <laughs> um yeah so Jessica gets rejected well she straight up lies and is, is this that <gasps> yes, scene she tells that's right she tells him that Denise is dating someone else right yeah what a liar what a liar listen if I know anything about being a redheaded Denise it's that. We do not date people often. So that was definitely a lie, Jessica. (laughs) So Jay agrees to go with Jessica to Lila's party. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, did we say that it's a costume party? I don't think we did. I don't think we did. It's a costume party. Everyone is very stressed out about it. Yeah. They, like, need to look the coolest. And, of course, Elizabeth and Enid do go. Mm -hmm. I guess the end of the Miss Lovelorn thing is just that um, both... Jay and Denise write real letters yeah. to Miss Lovelorn. Jessica finds them in the Oracle mailbox and she takes them away, like steals them so no one can see them. That way the other letters will have to be answered. Mm-hmm. Only she fucks that up because she's not paying close enough attention and accidentally takes the only other two letters in the box. Yeah. And then she and Kara are like so busy with their costume choices or whatever that they forget to write their column and Elizabeth has to do it for them. And she finds the real letters. Yeah. And so she just writes a response to uh, one of the, or or she publishes them both and writes as a response, like 
look read each other's letters. letters. Yeah, because <laughs> they're both these like sweet like. So cute. I miss my ex boyfriend. Like I don't know. There was just a misunderstanding. I don't understand what happened. And both people, it seems clear that they're writing about each other. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I love very that. poetic. And then I think Miss Lovelorn is no more because they couldn't do it for three weeks in a row. Don't understand what a deadline is. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I mean, that's not really a shocker, right? From yeah. those two, no, especially Jessica. So, um, yeah, everybody though. Getting back to the A story, everybody does go to Lila's party. Uh huh. Well, and it's because um, you know Jessica was like, "You guys all should go." And then Elizabeth and Enid were kind of like, "Are we making too big a deal about this? Like, should we just go to the party?" Yeah. Instead of being responsible people like we are. Yeah. Um, I know. It's like, are we being slaves to the calendar or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then also, there was like a big blow up. So like Enid and Elizabeth aren't really speaking when it comes time for the party. Yeah, there was kind of a big blow up where Enid was sort of like, yo, I feel like you're really choosing Amy over me, which like was fine when she first moved here. But now it's like, you've blown me off so many times. Oh, because she... Tells her she's going to go to the movies with her, and then she, like, doesn't go. Yeah, Enid um, is pretty mad. But it's not as mad as, the, like, they're going to be. Yeah. <laughs> but one I mean, one thing that happens is that Enid... Because Enid and Elizabeth, you'll remember, are supposed to go to the... Drive to the party together. Right. But then Elizabeth says, oh, well, um, I have to drive Amy now because she was going to get a ride with someone else, but that fell through. Yeah. And Enid is like, I'll find my own way there. And I think Amy orchestrated that, did she not? I don't remember. But regardless, Elizabeth's reaction to that is like, oh, that seems like maybe Jessica's right. Maybe Enid is like being a baby about all of this. Yeah. And I also want to point out that earlier in the book, it's really glossed over and it's barely mentioned. There's like one sentence. But Enid says something like, essentially, Amy threatened her. Yeah. And we never saw it. Yeah. We never saw it happen. But Enid says something that really is like Amy seemed to have like put her in her place and was right. like, don't fucking touch her. And when I read, I'm so glad you noticed that because when I read the book, I totally missed that. Yeah. And then in a few pages here, Amy and Enid are going to have a moment where I was like, wait a second. Like, did we ever find out that they were, that Amy was threatening Enid before? Cause I had not noticed that it right. happened, but it's because we didn't see the scene occur. We just saw Enid yeah. like think about it. Right. So like to catch everybody up, gladiators to catch you up to what's mm-hmm. happening here. Um, one sweet thing is that Elizabeth and Enid both dress in ski costumes. It's so cute. Cause they went shopping and they bought like the gloves that they were going to wear for the trip. And then they were both so sad and they showed up in the same thing. Yeah. It's like a, a way to say, this is where I'd rather be. Echoing their matching outfits on the cover. Yeah. So at this party, we meet Christopher for real. And lo and behold. Oh, yeah. This Christop- is good. Yeah. Christopher and Enid actually knew each other at like a rowing camp or something from they were both inst- rowing instructors at, at a camp out east years ago and hadn't seen each other. Turns Listeners, out you can't see this, but I'm making the the money symbol. <laughs> right? Who knew? Both rich as fuck. Uh, we never knew that Enid was rich as fuck, but now we do. So we should have guessed from the twenty eight year old aunt who has a place in Tahoe. Yeah. So um, Christopher, it turns out, is not just this like aloof, oh, can't be nailed down to a schedule fellow, like Lila said. He just is avoiding hanging out with Lila because yeah, she's like too much. Because he's smart. So it says Christopher confided that he had escaped to LA because Lila got to be a bit much at times, <laughs> is literally what it says in the book. So um, he and Enid dance 
And it's like, there's a love connection uh, mm-hmm. between the two of them. It's the real deal. Yeah. Um, but then the trouble began. Out of nowhere, Amy Sutton appeared and asked Chris if he'd dance one tiny little dance with her. Chris had looked at Enid, a confused expression on his face. Would you mind? That's not Christopher. <laughs> a confused expression on his face. Would you mind? He asked her. There was a lump in Enid's throat as she watched the two of them. Chris was bound to want to keep dancing with Amy, she thought miserably. Who could blame him? Amy was so beautiful. Enid wished she'd worn something a little less athletic, something prettier. To her surprise, Chris came right back after that one dance. Back again, he said lightly, taking her in his arms. Enid felt the lump melt in her throat. But she was also aware this time that Amy was watching them and glaring. Her pretty face worked into an expression of wrath. The rest of the evening was ruined for Enid. Amy followed her and Chris everywhere, interrupting their conversation, begging Chris to take her on a tour of the grounds, pleading for another dance, coming up with excuses to separate Enid and him at every turn. When Chris, looking exhausted, went up to the table to get Enid some dessert, Amy turned on her, her voice caustic. Enid Rollins, she said, her eyes flashing fire. Didn't I tell you before just to get lost? Don't you know you make me sick? She looked so angry, Enid felt almost afraid. I told you this last week. You can't steal people from me. I won't let you steal Liz, and I'm not going to let you steal Chris either. He's mine, she said savagely, leaning closer. He's mine, Enid. Now just stay away from him. Oh my god, Amy. Yeah, and she... And she, there's the direct reference yeah. to the threat. When she said, didn't I tell you before, I was like, yeah. wait, did she tell her before? Yeah, I feel like that's a big thing that the book really yeah. just didn't show us yeah but so basically amy is a huge bully yeah and it turns out amy really does want to be friends with elizabeth like she's the one that wants to have elizabeth all to herself not enid well it's very clear that she just wants to have liz around when it's convenient for her but not as like an actual real friend with a give and take relationship yeah i guess it's almost like she's so focused on the competition aspect of it that she doesn't see any other part of the whole situation you know, the, the fallout of this is that she's like, has successfully gotten in Enid's head Mm -hmm. and Enid, we haven't said, but like the whole time Enid has been kind of like, well, my hands are tied. Like I can't really express to Liz how I feel about Amy because Liz is going to think that I'm being petty. Right. Because Liz is like a good hearted person or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she wouldn't believe anything bad about Amy. Right. Which is, I, I don't think she's wrong. Yeah. Uh, but Elizabeth is wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Elizabeth has to face the music when Enid gets so angry at Elizabeth. Do you remember why? It's because of the whole ride home thing. Oh, yeah. Because Amy tells... This is the thing that Amy orchestrated. Yeah. She tells Chris that there's not room in Elizabeth's car for her to go home with Liz. Mm -hmm. And can I don't have any way else to get home. Can you please drive me home? Mm -hmm. Which keeps Chris from driving Enid home. Right. And Enid thinks that Elizabeth was in on that. Right. And is like, you chose sides. You know, you chose Amy over me. Yeah. And at this point, elsewhere at the party... Jay is dumping Jessica for (laughs) Denise again, because they're going to get back together. And so then Jessica ends up riding home with Elizabeth, and they're both just so miserable. They're so miserable, because then, like, now Elizabeth can't get a hold of Amy or Enid, and now she's the one that's left alone and friendless. Aw. Yeah. Aw. It's... 
it's an interesting thing. Like, obviously, it's super dramatic because it's Sweet Valley, but I think the whole concept, and I think they did it well, at least from Elizabeth Elizabeth's uh, point of view, of like, I have this group of friends, and this friend came first, but I like really have a connection with this friend. And how do I, how do I balance the two of them? especially now that one of them has changed and, mm-hmm. you know, our interests don't exactly align that much anymore. But we did have a connection back in the day. And it's like a very weird thing, especially, you know, when you are 16 of like, how do I be friends with both of these people? And I want them to like each other, but, you know, I'm ending up hurting everyone in the process, you know, like that kind yeah. of thing. And, you know, there's really nothing wrong with having a good friend who is a lot different from you. Yeah. When I think about my, like, trio of closest friends that I spent the most time with in high school, we were three very different people. Our personalities were a lot different. We all did different things mm-hmm. outside of school. We had we weren't in the same clubs for the most part. We had some classes together. But when the three of us got together, whether it was driving to or from school or like going to Taco Bell after school yeah. or whatever we did together, we had a great time together. We just, we got along because we had something similar in our personalities. Yeah. And I don't think that anybody would have thought, like if we'd basically, I guess I should say, if we'd been basing who we're going to hang out with on which people are most like us mm-hmm. on the outside, you know, or in terms of their like base level interests, yeah. we would never have had that friendship. But yeah. luckily we, we, you know what? We were friends from sixth grade. Ah, so we grew yeah. up into different people, but we stayed friends mm-hmm. through those changes. Yeah. What happened with Elizabeth and Amy is that they were friends until sixth grade. Right. And oh my gosh, that period from sixth grade to there's a lot junior happening year, in that time. You could change to a different person. Yeah. I don't mean to suggest that Elizabeth and Amy should stay best friends because Amy seems toxic to me. Yeah. But she is. She only has her best interest at heart, and no one else's. Right. Which is unfortunate. And not even, like, she's, I don't think she's particularly clear on what her own best right. interests are either. Because if she were, she would try to be friends with people like mm-hmm. Elizabeth and Enid or try to, you know, try to keep her commitments to someone that is making a special effort to right. make her, like, a supportive friend like Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, if Elizabeth is down in the dumps because, like, she's on the outs with everybody. And finally, Alice Wakefield has a moment of, like, parental yeah. genius. Yeah. Alice coming in hot. Yeah, she really gives some great advice. She says, when Elizabeth says to her, oh, mom, everything's turned into such a terrible mess. And uh, Alice says, anything your ancient mother can help you with? Or would you rather bottle it all up and drive yourself crazy? Nice. Classic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say that to my kids. Said the 32-year-old mom. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Although that would mean that she gave birth to Stephen at 14. (laughs) Well, who knows? I don't think so. I think she's probably like 36. <laughs> no, I was going to say 42. Oh, okay. Um, but whatever. <laughs> whatever. She's whatever age she is. It's a mystery. She ancient. looks she looks like the twins older sister, she's so ancient. yeah, an ancient mother, but she gives she gives Liz really good advice. She does. Mm-hmm. That's like sounds like Amy repeatedly has finked out on you. Yeah. And Enid has been nothing but patient. Like, where is the disconnect here, Liz? Mm -hmm. Like, you have somebody that keeps letting you down and someone that keeps putting up with your bullshit. Yeah. Like, (laughs) clearly you have a friend that you, like, kind of owe an allegiance to and a friend that you don't really owe anything. Yeah. 
Oh, Alice. Yeah, it's good advice. It's and good so advice. Elizabeth and Enid decide to go to Lake Tahoe without Amy. Mm-hmm. And Amy is like, I mean. Doesn't care. <laughs> she doesn't really care. Yeah, the book doesn't end with her as like a mortal enemy to yeah. Elizabeth or anything. She, I feel like the the impression I got was she was mainly just like, oh, thank God, I don't have to go on that trip. You know, like she's just yeah. like, okay, bye, have Which, fun. <laughs> this should never have happened in the first place, yeah. this whole trip thing. Well, that I mean, that pretty much brings us to the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Are you still a Jessica or an Elizabeth? I, I don't remember what you said before. I think you said you were a Jessica last time. I think I've kind of turned into a little bit more of a Jessica, but I think I was... I was probably a solid middle growing up, but I think yeah. leaning more towards Elizabeth. Yeah. Or I, I guess like, you could be a Denise or an oh, yeah. Amy Sutton or a Helen Bradley. I'm definitely Helen Bradley. That's okay. whose ghost I should have said it was. Oh, it was totally Helen's ghost. Gladiators, Helen Bradley may be alive and well. We'll see if we ever hear in from her again. In spirit form. Listen. Oh, okay. Sure. In spirit form. All here's right. the thing. Listen up. Listen closely. Amy was like, I'm coming back to fuck some shit up. Even though my mom is like technically getting this job, but she was like, I'm going to come in and get the life I used to have. And so she comes back, she murders Helen, buries her in the backyard. And then they're like, Ooh, this house seems nice. And Amy's like, wow, it's conveniently open for our use. So let's buy it. So then they buy it. And Helen used to be on the cheerleading team. And now Amy's on the cheerleading team. She is single white femaleing Helen Bradley. Mm, hardcore i mean you make a solid argument thank you um speaking of cheerleading jessica has a moment in this episode where she has the gall to suggest that annie whitman's whole suicide fiasco was really hard on her (laughs) that it was the most difficult for her of anyone (laughs) and she really hopes that something like that doesn't happen again with this cheerleading tryouts because she can't handle it it was really hard on her last time now it's just like really inconvenient when other people try to kill themselves because of me (laughs) which is what happened uh but i guess i could i mean that is like i don't have that much sympathy for jessica but let's the very important detail with that whole story is that Annie Whitman was by far the best cheerleader auditioner. Mm-hmm. She did like gymnastic flips and everything, like far and away obvious to anyone she should have been on it. Yeah. And she didn't get on it. If you were having to worry that someone who was just like the same as everybody else was going to commit suicide over not getting picked for the cheerleading squad, that would be a lot of stress. Yeah. But that's not what happened. What happened was that Jessica deliberately convinced everybody that they should not have a slutty girl on the team. And yeah, Jessica, um, yeah. you're a slutty girl. Taking guys to Miller Place <laughs> and make out. So the last thing of this podcast is that we're going to tease what happens in book 30. Mm, mm-hmm. So can we open our open your books to chapter last? The last one? Chapter <laughs> the last. Oh, there's no ooh, there's no extra pages in this book that like oh. advertise the last page is really the last page. You don't have to read about Malibu Summer. You can just read about Oh, that's the last The part. very last one. <clears throat> Will Sandra nominate Jean for Pi Beta Alpha and can their friendship last if she doesn't? Find out in Sweet Valley High, number 30, Jealous Lies, available in August. That's next month. 
For those of you who are not synced up to the Sweet Valley High, Google Cal. <laughs> and Jealous Lies uh, could be the name of any number of Sweet Valley books. Uh, this one could have been called Jealous Lies. Also a miniseries on HBO. Huh. Well, and uh, you may not recognize the names Jean and Sandra. They are also Sweet Valley High cheerleaders. That was my favorite part of this book was it was so randomly like, and now Sandra. I was like, who the fuck is Sandra? Well, um, Sandra has a really special moment in this book. Um where she's so jealous that Jean is eating Says, a sandwich. Sandra took a spoonful of yogurt and said nothing. She wished she could eat a sandwich. I'm like, you know what, bitch? No. Eat your sandwich. Eat a sandwich. How do you have the energy to be on the cheerleading squad if you're not eating a sandwich? It says she had been gaining weight lately, and unless she starved for the next three weeks, she would burst the seams on her new cheerleading uniform. Twelve-year-olds were reading this book in 1986. For fuck's sake. Yep. Sorry. That's why we're all anorexic. Every single one of us. Makes me so mad, though. Like... You don't, no, that's not going to be good. I mean, it might work for you to fit into your cheerleading costume, but Sandra, it's called a tailor. (laughs) Sandra, you're going to pass out mid-cheer from only eating yogurt. She's 16 years old. Like, her body is still growing. She's a child. She's a child. You don't have to be the size you were when you were 16, She's probably, like, her boobs are starting to get bigger, and that's why her uniform doesn't fit. And she's like, oh, let me starve myself. It's puberty yeah you know if you stop eating your boobs will stop growing that's true wait probably forever <laughs> oh <laughs> like Denise that. just did a, a mean girls checking to see <laughs> if it was raining uh well Denise thank you so much for oh, uh doing you. this redux recording yeah. um listeners I think what we'll do is you can tune in next week to hear the season finale of season three of Sweet Valley Diaries Jealous Lies book 30 um, and, uh, until then, uh, tell people about the podcast is going to be my uh, call to action for you this week. Uh, so many of you have shared the podcast with your friends or people, you know, um, I, uh, met somebody recently who, uh, was so excited when she heard that I had a Sweet Valley podcast and she asked me if I'd ever read a book called the, the curse of the Ruby necklace. And I don't think that I have, but if you have, uh, leave me some comments on Instagram <laughs> at Sweet Valley Diaries or send me an email, sweetvalleydiaries at me.com. It's a Sweet Valley Twins book, actually. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever read those books. Maybe someday. One day. Yeah, maybe if I'm ever getting paid for this. After you make it through the 500. <laughs> yeah. Right, we have, I mean, I feel like Sweet Valley University will probably be a more fertile ground for, like, crazy shit to talk about than Sweet Valley Twins. But. That's true. SVU, I did read by the, the way. SVU. Oh, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Ding, ding. <laughs> Dick Wolf, get on it. Sweet <laughs> Bell University, the TV show. Uh, and then it can just be called Sweet Valley University SVU. SVU. That's a bad title. Yeah. But there are going to be a lot of rapes on that campus. Oh, Denise. Dick Wolf is involved. <laughs> I mean, you had to make the joke. Like, there was no way there you could leave no that on the I table. But, whew. Trigger warning. All right. Yeah, trigger warning, SVU. Feel free to cut that. I think <laughs> or it's, leave it. I think it's going to be the tag. Great.